0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. You're listening to C-Suite Success Radio with your host and
1: executive coach, Sharon Smith corporate success is your goal c-suite success radio offers you informative interviews with experts that will help you shorten your learning
0: curve and accelerate your momentum to higher achievement c-suite success radio makes it simple and easy for you to tap into the wisdom of other successful business people who know the path you're traveling if you're ready for success in corporate america welcome to your new home at c-suite success radio and now time for your host and c-suite
1: executive coach sharon smith Welcome to this week's episode of C-Suite Success Radio. I am your host, Sharon Smith, of C-Suite Results. Each week, we focus on success, a word we all know and something we strive towards, but not a word that's easy to define. All of our topics and guests are aimed to help you achieve the goals you have set for your organization and for yourself as a leader, but more importantly, to help you accelerate the pace of your success. On today's show, we have Heath Renfro the Chief Information Security Officer, known as the CISO, for the United States Army Medicine, where he was awarded the 2017 Global CISO of the Year by EC Council, a well-known and one of the largest cyber training organizations in the world. Heath has 19 years of global cybersecurity professional experience and is considered one of the leading experts. He holds a bachelor's in science and information technology and a master's of science in cyber studies. He also holds numerous industry-leading certifications including Certified Information Systems Security Professional, Certified Chief Information Security Officer, and Certified Ethical Hacker. Heath also serves on many boards to include the National Cyber Watch Center Foundation, Association for Executives in Healthcare Information Security, University of Indiana Cyber Advisory Council, and the Cyber Patriot Program Advisory Council. Let's listen to the conversation I had with Heath and learn how he defines success and the lessons he has learned to help you gain the edge you're looking for. I want to welcome Heath Renfro to the call today. Heath, how are you this morning?
0: I am doing great. How are you doing?
1: I am very good. It is getting cold outside, but that is to be expected. Right now we're recording on November 1st. It is officially fall here in the Northeast.
0: Well, enjoy that. It's cold here in Texas, too. Well, for us, it is at least. I think right now it's 63 degrees outside.
1: That would be nice. So that's cold in Texas, isn't it?
0: Uh, yes, ma'am.
1: All right. Well, what we're going to do is dive right in like I always do. I love to have the folks that join me on the call. Tell us about who you are, what you're working on, what you're excited about, and then we'll take it from there.
0: Well, good morning. My name's Heath Renfro. I am the CISO for Army Medicine. Uh, Army Medicine's a large organization, actually the largest healthcare provider uh, globally, Uh, If you take all our locations, a new fiscal year is beginning. So a lot of the things that are going on right now for me uh, as the CISO is putting together the FY18 uh, training plan for all our cybersecurity professionals and getting funding out to all our sites to be able to attend training conferences or even in some instances to be able to get new tools if needed for their locations. Right now, we're also looking at implemented a new uh, capability within our infrastructure to be able to sit there and uh, track our PHI data. That was one of our weak points, was where was our PHI data? Where was our customer's information residing on our networks? And we found a solution and that we like and we're implementing it across the enterprise. So that's a big initiative for us. We'll actually be able to track the PHI data in real time and, and save a lot of man hours. Those are some of the initiatives going. Cybersecurity is my passion. From a CISO perspective, I'm not a technical person anymore for the most part, but I still like to read on technical documentation. But I kind of live and breathe this. I I would, some people describe me, especially my wife, as addicted to my field. I think that's a blessing to love your job. And I'll say
1: it's a great field because, well, in one way, it's a great field if you love the technology and you love keeping up on it because it's always changing so it's not boring it's not static it's always something new however that makes it much harder as well to be good at stopping those from those folks who are trying to steal your data or trying to break into your systems
0: uh, that certainly does you know last night was halloween so we hosted quite a few uh, folks over to our house and kids and one of the individuals that uh was over he works in the healthcare industry but he's not in it and i was like well have you ever thought about it he goes No, see, IT to me would be every day waking up and being in a panic, especially cybersecurity. What did I miss? What changed overnight? And how am I going to sit there and protect it? He goes, that's not really the world I would want to live in. But it's certainly the world that our professionals that are in here do live in. And I think most of us enjoy that. Uh, The variety, I think, keeps you on your toes.
1: It's true. It's true. The security world is full of adversity. So for those of us who are working in that space or have worked in that space or are thinking about getting into it, as you and I both know, we need more people. It is definitely a field full of adversity where you do have to wake up every morning and and wonder, did I miss something? But you also have to at some point be okay with that.
0: You do, absolutely. You certainly have to wake up and understand. And it's something I try to pass on to our leadership is, especially since my leadership is the one that takes on the risk. I don't. And every cybersecurity professional out there should understand that we're not the risk owners, is that there's always going to be risk. There's nothing nothing out there that's 100% guaranteed. So definitely got to wake up every day, and I got to look at my organization pretty much on a daily basis and go, okay, what is our risk appetite today? What's changed And what can we accept and not accept as recommendations up to my leadership? So it is something you got to go to bed and close your eyes at night and say, I did the best I could today. Let's try to get tomorrow.
1: And you and I met at the EC Council Global CISO Forum, and you were one of the panelists. I really enjoyed hearing your take on many things. One of the things you talked about, which I want to explore more today, is relationships and how that has helped you in your career but you were also awarded the 2017 Global CISO of the Year from the council. That's quite an accomplishment, I would say, and even a great definition for many people of something very successful, since we're going to talk about success as well. What were some of your ups and downs along the way? You've been in this field for 19 years, global cybersecurity professional. How how did you get to a point where you were named the Global CISO of the Year?
0: Well, I got named Global CISO of the Year because I have – a team of cybersecurity professionals and even non cybersecurity professionals. Uh my medlock community, which is uh, deals with all the medical devices and procurement of medical devices, my G9 community, which deals with the facility control devices. All those folks contributed to the team mission. That was a team award. though my name is on the trophy. It truly was a team award and all that contribution goes to there, and to be able to get into that position, some of my lows in my career is I learned a lesson um, probably about five years ago when I was a sizzle for a global organization, and I learned real quick that that organization did not take security serious, and the best way I could describe going to work every day was like digging in quicksand, or if you ever been to a beach and dug in the sand at the beach and watched it fill in quick, pretty quick, everything I tried to accomplish, it would just get filled in. So that's probably the low point in my career. The rest of it's pretty, pretty high. I really had no complaints about anything, even then, even a failure or a challenge as that one command was, or that one job was, I learned from it. And it helped me actually, when I moved into other jobs to be able to sit there and make a stance of what I would accept and not accept. And It made me a little more picky about my job selection.
1: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I've definitely worked with those organizations who didn't understand or take it seriously. And it was a great analogy in terms of digging in quicksand or the hole in the beach is one step forward, 10 steps back. It felt like, or no steps forward, and it can be very frustrating. What did you learn from that experience that you have implemented that you do things differently now or that you've lear- You've gone into an organization and learned their security tolerance faster so that you could decide whether it was going to be a good fit for you?
0: Well, the first thing I, I've done is I, I asked, The senior leadership, be it a CEO or board member or the general officer, what are your views on cybersecurity? How involved are you going to be? And if it's more of, well, that's an IT issue or that's not really my job, I'm immediately out. I mean, that's all I needed to hear. I'm not going to sit there and try to convince anybody because if they're not taking it serious in the world we live in now with the daily news that is going on, for years now, but it's really hit the you know the last couple of years. You can't really turn on your TV or read an article now without something cybersecurity related. That's not a battle I'm willing to face. I, and I'm not willing to try to change somebody's mindset because really you're probably not going to, especially when you get it up to that level. If they're not making the decision themselves to jump in all, with all their feet and all their hands, you're not really going to win that battle. Another thing is I've looked at the org charts. Um, organizational charts are important, extremely important to me. It's not that I have anything against CIOs, because I do not. I think they serve an outstanding purpose within an organization. Their job is to drive technology and drive information communications and provide the technology needed to execute the mission that's coming down from the board of directors and their their leadership. But it's a conflict of interest for a CISO to be underneath the CIO. So that's something else I drew my foot in the sand and said, I won't work underneath a CIO. I have to be at least parallel to that CIO so we can work together as partners. And that's some of that building that relationships that you asked about earlier that I think I forgot to answer is relationship building has been the key contrib- the key attribute to my success. It is about my relationships, not only with senior leadership, but also my relationship with the folks down range that are at the hospitals that are doing the daily work that are busting their humps every single day to provide patient care, my relationship with them is just as good as the relationship with general officers that I have. I have to have that relationship across the board. But all the business owners that uh, I talked about earlier, the team effort was the medlock community, my facility control community, even my legal community, which I had to be very involved with them and have them involved with a lot of uh, relationships, my procurement community and acquisition community across the board, the KOs, the the cores for all the documentation and and contract language, building all that relationship and making them and helping them understand cybersecurity in terms they can understand it, because these guys are, are ladies are not IT professionals. They're folks that work in this particular field. They hear cyber, but they might not really understand it. They might not understand what the contract language we're trying to present for. They might look at it as being kind of restrictive and why is it so restrictive? If you can sit there and explain to each one of your business owners or any your partners in in your mission, you're going to have a great deal of success. So I honestly walk in to any any new job and that's the first thing I do is it hit the ground running. I walk in, I bring some coffee or some candy or whatever it is and, I'm from Texas. I have a tendency to wear cowboy boots. I put my cowboy boots up on the desk and said, let's talk. You know, I'm a pretty friendly individual and get along with most people. And let's talk about what's your mission, because that's the first thing. I don't even want to talk about cybersecurity. I just want to hear what their mission is. What do I need to support? Because my job is truly just to complement the business process not
1: hinder it. It's obvious that relationships are important to you because when you said, and I asked you about the award you received, you said it was really a team award and it was a team effort. And that says a lot that you weren't taking the credit. It says a lot about you and it t- as you as a leader and how you feel about relationships because without those folks in what you're saying, you could not have achieved that award. And it, it's a relationship. Now I won't call it a game because I'm not talking about it being a game per se, but a relationship game. And with as many people you have globally, that must be really challenging to get to know the different folks and communicate. What what have you done to try and get in with the folks, you know, especially on a global scale so that you can understand and build those relationships? What's something that a large CEO or CIO or CISO or anyone listening – of an organization who feels like it's daunting to try and build relationships with people at a global level and they haven't tried yet, what's, what's maybe an, a way to go about doing that that could work for them?
0: That's a great question. and It is absolutely the biggest challenge I have, and I'm not fully successful at it yet. But one thing that we do is we do hold a monthly CISO VTC. It's a global VTC. It's times um, twice a day Uh, because we do have locations in Korea and Germany, so we'll have one later in the evening, and then we'll have one normal to be able to meet the Pacific and the Atlantic region and the central region. Get on the call, and I'll spend an hour to an hour and a half, sometimes it's even gone two hours, talking about the big picture talking about where things are going and then having people ask questions on the VTC. So when you have people interacting back and forth and back and forth, everybody's hearing the questions. Everybody's hearing the big overview picture. That is the biggest thing I can ever tell a leader is you've got to let even the, the, the lowest person on the totem pole, it doesn't matter if it's the person that comes in and cleans the trash cans, if they're part of your mission in any way, they need to understand what the bigger mission is and the bigger picture is and what direction we're going. So I always talk strategic planning. I always talk about what is the strategic plan for FY18. They've known my team has known about that for six months. This is the direction I want to go for FY18. This is the direction you guys will end up supporting. So that is one way that the communication is gone. We also have some chat technology out there called Swift or Transverse, depending on what you need uh, or use on the DoD side, which allows us to have, I have like, I, I tell everybody to add me. doesn't matter who you are, where you are in the chain of command, add me on that chat. If you have a question, hit me up. That is a huge huge resource tool that I've been able to take advantage of, and it gives me an opportunity to chat with people and check in with people. I've also asked people, if they choose, to be able to share some of the personal information with me. I sent a little brochure out and said, here's me. Here's my information. Here's my family. Here's, you know, this is what I'm interested in. Here's my hobbies. This is the type of things I do. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm not so good about. These are the type of things that I still got to work on as a human being and a professional. And I asked, hey, if you want to share this information, it'd be great because I'd like to know you at a personal level as possible. We also hold a Dhis conference in Orlando, a Defense Health Information Technology Symposium down in Orlando every single year. And that gives all our folks an opportunity to come together across all DOD medicine. But Army medicine, we have Army Day and we have evenings. We're able to really, I'm able to meet a lot of people face-to-face at those, uh, those opportunities too. So weekly newsletters go out. Yeah, you know, I just try everything. Very open line of communication. I got an email from uh, somebody who was departing the command to go on to bigger and better things, and it, it was it was a long email. I was like, oh man, I'm about to get told where I could improve and not improve. But it was basically it, it was probably the highlight of my year, to be honest with you. Even bigger than the Sizzle Award because this person is pretty low on the totem pole. Uh, was pretty low on the totem pole within the organization, but a significant contributor to the mission at their local hospital. And they said that, basically, I was always available. I took the call. I explained things in detail. I answered any questions that were asked, even all the way down to that level on how much they appreciated it. So that was extremely important to me. It means more to me for the folks that work underneath me to be happy and comfortable and me to take care of them than to keep my leadership happy. Because I, honestly, I'm a cybersecurity professional, I tend to, uh, in which most of us, upset leadership at times because I will always recommend the right path forward and I will disagree when I don't agree with the direction they want to take. But once again, I'm not the risk owner, but I will disagree and, and, and verbally talk about my disagreement and then go from there to give them an opportunity to change their mind. If not, then we move
1: forward. Oh, you said so many things. I have so many questions running through my head. One of the things I want to say is that when you said the big picture, I wrote that down, and then I realized, hey, that's what I talk about when I am speaking to and writing about what I call high-performance teams, and especially in security, we're dealing with, as we mentioned – at the beginning of the call, so much adversity and how do we create a team that isn't going to burn out and is going to be able to do the best that they can do with what they have. Obviously, every team has different tools and resources. And one of the things I talk about is ensuring that everyone on the team knows the mission and has the big picture because it's really hard to do the work that's hard when you don't know why you're doing it. You don't know where you fit in the organization. If you feel like you're just a cog in a wheel, it's very easy to move on or become apathetic or tune out and miss something. And especially in cybersecurity, how important is it? to be paying attention all the time as much as we possibly can and how important is it to understand the big picture and how we fit into the mission of the organization. So when you talked about that from your VTC uh, perspective when you have those calls and talking about the big picture because everyone, you said, all the way down to the cleaning folks really need to understand the strategic mission and the big picture. I agree wholeheartedly with you.
0: No, I, I completely agree that if you don't know the big picture, then you don't know what you're contributing to. And um if you don't have that, where's your motivation out? Every day going to work? That's not how most people work, especially I don't think people in our field in cybersecurity. We want to contribute to a mission and watch the mission succeed. So I completely agree with that uh, perspective you have.
1: No, oh, and I'm glad you brought it up as well. And I like hearing how transparent you are with your folks and telling them who you are. I think that's super important. I, I believe a lot of leaders get to a point where they forget that how important transparency is and that people want to know who you are and what you believe in and all of those kinds of things because it just connection and relationships like you're talking about really make a huge difference. But what I want to talk about next is something else you said. You said not fully successful at it yet in response to one of my questions, and I love that you said it because you gave me the impression that for you in that topic success is it's a journey, it's there's you're not there yet, but let's talk about what success is for you. How do you define success? The fact that I'm not fully successful at it yet means you're working towards something. How do you know when you are successful at something? What's that definition or how do you know it's done that you've you've got to that point of success and whatever it is you're working on?
0: Well, the truth is that I sit there and set a bar. I'll sit, like I talk about strategic planning. I don't try to tackle anything 100 tasks in a year to sit there and move our organization to a more secure posture. I got to choose my battles. What's the top priorities? And with that top priorities, I look at what is the measure of success for that, um, that priority. Really, it really comes down to the quantitative versus the quantit the quantitative and quanti- quantitative and qualitative, qualitative. Um, <laughs> qualities. Sorry about that. You're fine. I got tongue tied. No matter what field you're in, especially I try to preach to young cybersecurity professionals. And I try to do a lot of sizzle mentoring. i have gone around my own organization and ask folks who wants to be a sizzle one day. And we do virtual type of situations, but I'll give them. Mock situations, but the one thing I preached them, I was like, "You have to show a return on investment. You have to show where this money is going to be contributing to and how successful it is." So it really comes down to understanding what my leadership's views on success are, not mine, because my views, I'll never reach my view. Okay, I'm I'm a perfectionist, and I'm still not perfected anything, so I'm not doing very good on that aspect of things. But it comes down to what is my senior leadership going to want to for them to be satisfied that things were successful. So it's a lot about that relationship and understanding who they are, asking the questions. Should not be afraid to go to your leadership and say, sir, here's the strategic plan that we discussed, or man, here's the strategic plan that we discussed, and go, what would you consider successful? Here's where we currently are. And then that's the goal I reach for. But when it comes to my relationships with the people that I work with and work for, and um, work for me. That's probably still the most important thing to me as I think you'll understand me more and more is relationships. And I've not got to meet every person that's underneath me in person, uh, which is frustrating. But worldwide organizations, it's pretty hard to do. And budget is limited in a lot of ways. We don't just travel the world just to go meet people. That is what I meant by I'm not fully successful. I'm not quite touching them as much as I want, but I got to consider the mission and taking two hours out of someone's time a month is already a lot of time, not my schedule, but their schedule. So that is what I meant by being not successful. But I base success off what my leadership determines their success rate is.
1: When you look back on previous careers or projects or something else that is done and you decide whether it was a success or not, do you have anything that you measure that against?
0: So if I walk away from an organization, I can look back at my career. Have I made an impact not just professionally on on the missions. so army medicine i can tell you army medicine has done a complete 360 since i came here i can honestly say that i have seen it but i've heard it and that is a very important when you hear it from other people it's not it, it makes you know that i think and lets you understand that other people are noticing the hard work and the change in the environment so that has always been very important to me is to get feedback. I do have a survey out there, I do have a question out there, and I also have an open policy where anybody can send me ideas. Hey Heath, have you thought about doing it this way? Or Heath, I really don't like this. I don't think it's working out very well for us. That is extremely important for me to reach the success. But on a personal level, it's about my relationships. If I built relationships like if I am leaving the organization and I send my notice out to everybody and and try to talk to everybody, but everybody gets on the phone or I get an email and folks are like, yeah, this really is not the best news that I could have received, but I'm happy for you to be moving on to something else. That means that I was doing my job as a leader. I've given them enough comfort level in me to fully trust me and to enjoy my leadership and enjoy the mission. If it's just complete crickets when you're leaving an organization and that has happened to me once, I didn't make the impact that I was supposed to make. And that was a lesson and a failure that I really took to heart.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I've never really thought about the, um, from the perspective of when you leave an organization, what kind of response do you get from those around you? It says a lot about the impact that you had. That's really interesting. Where along the way did you realize that relationships were this important? Did someone teach this to you? Was it a mentorship or was it something you learned on your own?
0: I, I, it was mentorship. So I'm formal former Navy. I spent nine years in the Navy and some of the best years of my life. And I'm so grateful for those times. But I got taken underneath the wing by a man called John Friotis. And I'm going to throw him out there. Nicknamed for T-Rex. And I won't tell you why they called him T-Rex. Well, yeah, I will. Uh, big mouth. And <laughs> he, he was short. And he, he was a shorter man. So small arms. And that's how he would describe himself. So I'm not making fun of him. That's how he introduced himself to me. That's But funny. I watched his relationships with everybody on a ship and everybody when we were in the field. He knew every radio man. He knew every person down in who did the birthing and the clothing and whoever washed the dishes. And he knew everybody on the ship and he built relationships across the board. And that is where I learned real quick is, okay, I got this special. I would get, my dad would send me a deer jerky. I'm from Texas, so yes, I said deer jerky. It would come to me when I was deployed or overseas and I'd have a box and you open it up and you smell that fresh smoked flavor. And it's just people are drooling and you're like, all right, now I got some negotiation power. So when I needed my shirts pressed for my uniform, I'd go down to laundry and I exchange some beef jerky for my shirts being pressed. So it was all about relationships across the board on the ship. And I just learned real quick, if you know everybody and you're friendly with everybody and you have a relationship and it doesn't mean you're always going to agree on everything. And it doesn't mean that you're going to go out when you get into a port, like when I was in the Navy and go have a beer with someone, put you on friendly terms. You get a lot things, a lot more things done faster and you don't have to fight it. So that is where I learned it. I watched, Some great leaders. I had the honor to serve underneath some uh, Admiral Mullen, who used to be the former Joint Chief of Staff, Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff. i worked for him when I first was in the Navy. Admiral Dawson, Admiral Fallon. I watched some great three-star admirals who eventually became four-star admirals in action. And I watched their relationship with their people. I watched how they led. And then I watched their officers and how they led, including John Troyados.
1: And it sounds like what you're saying then, from military perspective, the most successful folks that make their way through to admirals and generals are those who really focus on relationships.
0: I think anybody to be fully successful in any business, you're going to have to be good at relationships. If you're not great at relationships, and a lot of people aren't. i got a lot of great people that work for me that I would say they're introverts. And they're wonderful people. You got to break down their barriers and be able to understand how the, what makes them tick. But they're not going to be the people that are probably going to be scissors one day. And I understand that and I respect that. And they understand that and that's what they want and that's what makes them happy. But if you want to be a great leader, you got to have relationships. 99.9% of my job has nothing to do really with cybersecurity or. Heath being the cyber guy, I'm the stupidest person in my organization when it comes to cybersecurity. I'm just real good at relationships.
1: What would you tell someone listening, whether they're working their way up and they do have their eye somewhere in the C-suite or they're already there and they realize they're really not good at relationships? Is there one piece of advice or maybe two things you would tell them to work on or a way to maybe get better at relationships?
0: Well, I'll give credit to my wife on this. She taught me a long time ago that it's best just to go around and truly show interest in people. You have to go around and actually care about what you're asking them. Don't just go through the motions. Truly care about the questions you're asking. Get to know people on a personal level, though i'll walk in and go hey how's the job going today what's the standard response when you say how was work today it was good
1: yeah it was good i'm just Uh hanging in there it's okay it's almost friday at least it's hump day
0: but if you walk in and go hey it's friday what are you gonna do tonight with your family how many kids do you have what are their ages take notes even you have to write it down, and I do. I mean, there's too many people, and I've got too many things down. I've got a pretty good memory at first from a conversation, but I will go back and write notes next to somebody's name on my roster and say three kids, ages, does it? and I build a relationship. You don't have to figure it out in one day. You go in, ask how their the week has been going, how's the family doing. you got kids, right? What are their ages? What's your wife's name? What are your kids' names? Then, Hey, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And then next, come in Monday morning. Hey, how was your weekend? I mean, it doesn't have to be a hit run, but you'll build those relationships over time. And after the personal level, and they get comfortable with you on that level, then you can start mixing the professional and the personal questions with them and interaction with them, and things just grow. And you you develop a friendship. And you got to be careful with managing friendship and work because some people can't manage that, but you'll figure that over time. Who who's Who can be your friend and also... A co-worker who you can just be friendly with and, and be their co-worker.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. I remember hearing one, somewhere a long time ago that the goal is to be interested and not interesting.
0: So- oh, that's a great saying. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So people, and another way of saying it or something else that was said, if you want people to find you interesting, you need to be interested in them. So many people spend their days without anyone asking them anything about themselves or talking about them. If you show that piece of interest and you really care and it's, and it's genuine, it's going to make a world of difference. I agree with that. I want to slightly change direction because I love what you're sharing with us on the human front and the leadership front and the success conversation. I want to go back to security a little bit because it is what you do. It is a lot of what I do and have been doing. And you had that experience where you had a client or not a client. You worked for an organization that you were digging in in quicksand. And I've had those experiences as well over the years What would you say to those folks listening who have that mentality of, oh, it will never happen to me, or that's not a problem I have to deal with, and really do put security on the back burner, or don't take it seriously, don't give it the resources, even in the world we live in, where you and I as security professionals probably slap our heads a lot going, how can you not take this seriously with all the news, all the different breaches we hear about, and a lot of us know about the breaches that aren't always reported as well. What do we say to folks, without scare tactics, what do we say to those folks who aren't yet taking it seriously but are in a position of leadership where they can make an impact if they decided to take it seriously for their organization?
0: This is, once again, coming down to education to me, and and if you have a relationship with your leadership, get on their calendar and walk in and say, listen, I'm not come in here to do shock and all and scare you or anything like this, but let's talk about the risk in our organization. And and if, if you have the capability and you have recent penetration test results, bring those out. Give some scenarios. Show your vulnerabilities. Show what the risk is across the organization. And then break it down to a level that a senior leader can understand it. I had a general officer trying to understand defense in depth recently to me. He's like, I don't understand defense in depth. You know, what is the concept of that? I go, sir, the best description I can give you is you're, you're driving down the Autobahn in um, Germany, and that is that is considered what we call a flat network. That is just one network, everything's connected to it, and there's no real defense in place. But what we're talking about is when you're driving in Washington, D.C., the first time I drove there and I ran into a red light, it was like go green, go green, go red, go green to get onto the highway. That is your VLAN architecture, and it's defense and dust. You've got to break it down to a level that your leadership understands what the real risk is. And then maybe bring some examples in. Yes, there's news everywhere. But I can tell you right now, 99.% percent of my friends that I, I have in this area, and I'm a security professional, and I blasted out Equifax to everybody, they still don't understand what happened, what the compromise was, and what the risk is told. And when I sit down and explain to them, like I did last night at Halloween with a lot of our friends who were over here just talking to them, there, you can see the, the clock start ticking, and then all of a sudden the wheel wasn't turning, and then they realized, and it dawned on them like, oh, my gosh, I should have been paying closer attention to this. You've got to consider how busy a senior leader is in an organization or a CEO. You have to go in and hit a home run with them. And once you have them hooked and once you have an open-door policy with them, they will come on board. Are you going to face people and say it isn't going to happen to us? Sure. But you make them sign on the dotted line that they're willing to accept the risk for that organization. And you as a security professional have to be able to accept that. You are not the risk owner. They are. But if they want to sign on the dotted line and accept the risk, you've dissolved yourself of the responsibility. It was never your responsibility anyways. It was your responsibility as a cyber professional to give them the sound advice and direction for them to be able to sit there and execute the mission in in a less risk posture as possible.
1: And I like what you're saying, that relationship. Once you know that person, you can create the analogy that's going to make the most sense for them. I live in D.C. I get exactly what you're talking about with the metering on the highway. And I know when I moved out here, I'm like, why are there lights on the entrance ramp? This is weird. Now it's normal. But if you're talking to someone who's never seen that before, you're not going to use that as the analogy. So it's all about knowing who this leader is, knowing what they like. Is it it a sports analogy? Is it a family analogy? Is it the highway? And then being able to create it in a way that makes sense to them so they can start to see where the risks are. And then, of course, like you said, if they absolutely aren't going to do anything about it, you have them sign on the dotted line, which is Obviously, the worst case scenario for a security professional, in my opinion, not because you own the risk, but because you're there to want to secure the organization. If you're not working for an organization who wants to and they're willing to just accept the risk, like you said, it's not a, not a fun place to work. Well, we are rolling on in our time together. Only a little bit of time left. You've answered a lot of amazing questions, given us a lot of information and advice and tidbits. You talked about being mentored from relationships and and from a perspective of you watch this person and it was all about relationships. What's the one piece of advice someone has given you that's really made a difference for you outside of the idea of relationships? One piece of advice that a mentor or somebody you met once, maybe you never saw them again, said, and you just said, wow, I'm going to use it, and you have used it. Can you think of something that you can share with us?
0: Well, that's a pretty easy one for me, and that was my father. He told me a long time ago, and he kind of taught me as a young man. He gave me no options about working. I started working full-time work pretty much when I was 11 years old. I've worked as a an bouncer in a bar when I was 16 years old till I was 18 years old. I've cleaned bars, I've cleaned porta-potties, I've done fiberglass work. I did everything you can imagine as a kid. And the one day when I was getting ready to graduate high school, he pulled me to the side and goes, son, I did all of that for one, to teach you work ethic. But number two, I want you to know what you love and you're passionate about, and I want you to have a job that you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about your work and if you're not happy going into work, It's not the right job for you. That's one thing. I took advice at the one organization that I sit there and did leave when I said I was digging in wet sand every day is I wasn't happy. And because of that, I think I was affecting everybody in a a negative way. If you're not happy in life in general, but if you're not happy in your job, it will affect your family life and it will affect your professional life. And that is the best piece of advice I ever got. And it's a piece of advice that I've run with my entire life since it was told to me.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things I do when I'm coaching clients, because I do work in leadership and executive coaching, is making sure that they are on the right path for who they are and that they are in a role that makes them happy and clarifying their direction if they are going in the wrong direction because of the wrong definition of success often. Many people, unfortunately, grow up unlike you with a family who said you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you will follow in the family business. And sometimes it can be very hard for young people to say no to those things and and have their own voice because we're young and we don't know how yet. And fortunately for you, your father wanted you to learn about what makes you happy and to go after that. But there are a lot of people I think they get into their, you know, 30s and 40s and even later in life and realize, wow, I've been following someone else's dream which is why I love having these conversations about success that really talk about defining it for yourself and not other people's definitions. And then how do you redefine it? How do you change your direction? How do you find something that makes you happy? But I really believe that it's never too late and that that is truly what is going to make or break how well you do succeed at work and in life being happy and the kind of work you do. So thank you for sharing that with us.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a a pleasure. I don't know if we're wrapping up. I just thought I'd
1: say that. Oh, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. We are actually wrapping up, even though I hadn't said it yet. You are correct. We are out of time. I appreciate you coming on. You provided us with amazing information. We'll make sure contact information is available if anyone does want to learn more from you or talk to you about being a CISO, maybe some CIS getting mentored by you, CISO mentoring, or more about anything you talked about. I know you're the kind of person who would love to share, so we'll make sure there's some kind of contact information for people to reach out to you. And loved having you on. It was great meeting you in Atlanta at the CISO Forum. I hope to see you again at another event soon, and really appreciate you being on the show today.
0: Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Truly honored to be on the show. And please, we uh, will provide my information. Anybody can reach out to me anytime about anything. I'd uh, love to help and love to learn, too, because every time you help somebody else, you're learning, too. So that's always a, a blessing and an honor. Definitely. I appreciate it again. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Heath. Take care. You, too. Thanks for listening today. Tune in for our next episode. And in the meantime, you can get more resources at www.c-suiteresults.com. Make it a successful day.
0: Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.